Welcome everybody, I'm Jared, he's DJ, and this is Number One Bullshit. One thing that did stand out to me though with that first fight was the uh the crowd was in it oh, from the, from jump street right dude, it was like, so awesome the crowd was and fucking zombies walk out was oh, mm, and, and his walk away too yeah oh yeah the when the crowd like just popped for uh sung woo Choi right at the start i was like oh just like if that they're that behind this korean fighter like wait until yeah. zombie comes out this is gonna be awesome uh and sure enough like that walkout was was special it was dope right was there was dope. already the talk that he was going to retire after the fight yeah. and so yeah just as everyone started singing along it was one of those i'm watching and like oh goosebumps like i legitimately have goosebumps uh on that and then yeah like you said the him leaving the cage was awesome too but uh yeah whole crowd singing got me ready for the fight and i've never seen a situation where the crowd was so behind both fighters right because yeah. like max's walk out there behind him too yeah but it was different like it's the power of music right just having music i mean it's why music is in movies and shows and stuff it's just that moment you're like and then he stops and kind of like puts his hand up to his ears mm -hmm. just to hear the singing hulk like, hogan did oh my god it was uh like it would have been cool to be in that crowd oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and and there's such a there's such a difference with Asian crowds where like they're quiet at times where you're not hearing the dumbass like Ric Flair stuff. Well, anytime that did happen quiet. last night. That did happen last did night. Did it? Oh, yeah. oh, I didn't yeah, hear that. Yeah. I, I didn't have the sound on yeah. some of it because it was so early. Mm -hmm. uh, but the the other thing is the pop for just little stuff. Yeah. Right. Like you could tell they were they've been wanting some, some UFC there. And I mean, Singapore just has to be good crowds because like one fc yeah is, you know it's based out of there they have a ton of ton of shows there and and the crowd's always really really good but the i mean right from the start on that fight right like you had zombie questioning max's power yep and it was almost like okay we're we're gonna see about that and two zombies out, right? fucked around oh, and found yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly but two zombies credit Max hadn't been putting people away. Yeah. Up in, I think it was 2019 was the last time he'd, he'd put somebody out. But when he dropped him in the second round and then Zombie came back, it was like, okay, yeah. we're we're on to something. And it looked like Zombie hurt Max. I know Max has the, the chin of chins. Yeah. But it looked, there is a point where it was like, oh, did he get wobbly a, a little bit there? Um, I don't know. I, I don't remember that moment. When that happened? Because I don't remember feeling like second Max round. Was, okay. I don't remember feeling like Max was in any danger as, as far as like yeah. stoppage. Yeah. Oh, not of stoppage, but there was a there was one one strike. I, I forget uh, which side the hook came from, but it popped him, and it was you saw that like stop from Max uh, when when it hit. But I loved that zombies like okay, I got hurt in round two, like round three. I'm I'm fucking going yeah. for it, <laughs> and, and it was completely reckless, and it ultimately stopped him in twenty seconds. But yes. that's what you expect from him, and you know, like I think I don't remember, I don't know who made the comment. It might have been Max Holloway. Like he doesn't go out on a shield; he goes out on a sword, and it is fun. Mm. It is fun. Yeah, you know, it's a fun thing to watch. Like it's also fun to watch a technical bet, but it's also fun to see someone just say "fuck it." You know, let's throw it down. Let's see what happens. 
Yeah. Like, hey, Max, like we're going to see. Yeah. <laughs> I think my way to victory is power. We yeah. are going to see. Mm-hmm. Uh but there, there could not have been a more zombie way to go out. Uh, nope. Right? <laughs> nope. Right? Like him just walking into it like, this is how it's going to end, guys. <laughs> either either me or him, we're going for it. Um, but yeah, the, that was a special fight, yep. uh, watching it. And I get there, there's not a ton of implications, right? Like even Max winning here, what what's his next fight? You, you, you I, I actually don't know. Have, you actually have a really good theory on his next fight. And <laughs> yeah, now the, that it's brought up, because... I'll let you say it, and I'll tell you why I never even thought about it. So go ahead. Yeah, I think he would be a great person to welcome Aljo yep. to featherweight if Aljo truly is going up to featherweight from here. And and you know, all signs are kind of pointing that Aljo will, especially if he's not even going to be considered getting an immediate title shot. Like Aljo fighting again at one thirty five to not be for a title was the point, but because he lost. In the second round, like he's not going to go to 145 and get a title shot like he would have if he won. Who better to say if you can't beat Max Holloway? We we like Max Holloway's like the undefeated except for Volkanovski. If you can't beat him, then what's the point? So I think that's a. If I'm behind the scenes, I'm like, yeah, let's bring Alto versus Max. You know, what is Max going to say? No, Max wants to fight Cormier at heavyweight. <laughs> like Max is going <laughs> to yeah. say yes. So that's a great well, fight. And- because I, I was looking through of like what's the next fight for Max and there's a couple people top 10 that he could fight but you're not going to let him knock off Ilya Taporia. I was just about to say right? not going to let him fight That's Tepori way too anymore. risky. No. Yeah, way too risky for the UFC. And then I mean like conceivably you could have a an Emmett you know Giga Chikadze but once again like the Emmett fight doesn't really do anything for no. me. Uh Chikadze yeah, we're going to talk about that fight in a bit, but once again, like you don't want him to knock off Chikadze because that's one of the few fights that uh, Volk hasn't had. And looking at the 155 fights, like I don't like Max going up to to what fight Chandler, no. fight Gaethje, no. like that. That's just not. He's way, way too small, uh, relatively speaking, for for those guys. But yeah, I, I think the Aljo fight makes a, a ton of sense to welcome Aljo because then also for him, it's like, okay, either I can do it or I can't at 145 because you don't move up just to be a guy. You move up to win another belt. And if you can't beat Max, you can't win another belt. Exactly. And Max is going to be the same kind of look as O'Malley in terms of he's not going to go look for a takedown. He's going he's gonna to try to stand up with you. Um, but yeah, you just you can't fight. Chikadze, after the way he looked last night, not saying he looked terrible, but he looked like he had a long layoff, and Max is just too sharp. Matt, Max is the clear number one in that division. Um, yeah, welcome, welcome, Aljo. Um, Max is such a nice guy, too. When he had him in the choke, it's like, he's like, is he out? It's like, man, just put <laughs> yeah. him out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. He's He seemed really concerned for Zombie's health, but mm-hmm. um it would be interesting to see like a, a different mindset to see if he could have stopped it. But I mean, Max is such a good guy and he's such a great fighter. Yeah, you fight. And then if Aljo beats Max, then Aljo just gets the next title shot. It, it, if Ilya yeah. Taporia, whatever how you say his last name, if he doesn't get it, oh well, like you give it to Aljo. Um, yeah, let's make that fight happen. Yeah. And I had shades of old Max where like you remember back in the day, I think it was against uh, Ricardo Lamas where he like drew the line mm-hmm. and was just like, I'm going to stand here and we're going to fucking go. Like there, there was almost shades of that during the fight yesterday where I was like, okay, like this is old school max, like ready to ready to go. Uh, but I do have to, whoever was working for the UFC that decided to play 
zombie on the way out for him. Like hats off to you. There was already so much emotion running mm-hmm. high, right? Like zombie was broken down in the cage, just weeping. It was you guys that listen, you know, I'm a sucker for the emotion side of things and, and seeing him kind of that realization of, you know, I gave it my all. I couldn't achieve what I wanted to, but like, you know, this, it's time for me to go to see that realization on his face in the cage. Well, it was tough, right? Because as, as somebody who I chased my dream of being like a big time college football coach and wasn't able to get it, mm-hmm. you know? And so to see that, I I know that feeling, and obviously I never got to the heights of a Korean zombie, you know, fighting for a title. Uh, But to have that, to know what that feels like, and then it's a shitty feeling. And then for him to be walking out, whoever made that decision, like, let's play his song on the way out, and to just bask in that glory one more time of the fans. Like, I legitimately started tearing up watching it when, like, you saw on his face go and I got fucking goosebumps right now talking about it. When you saw that emotion on his face go from that kind of devastation to the basking in the glory joy of like, Oh, that's right. Like I do that to these people, you know, like I can bring people together. Uh, It was amazing to, and the fans didn't leave, right? Like it was still almost an absolutely packed house as he's walking out, which is so different than Glover's retirement where Glover in Brazil, right? Like basically people left before he even could give his retirement speech in the cage. Yeah. Uh, but this was as classy of a kind of send off, I think, as you can have. And I don't, I don't know how many people are, are really beloved as much, you know, like cowboy was one, I think. Uh, but I don't know how many other people are really beloved like zombie. When you look at, how long he's been around, who he's fought. I mean, the guy has fought, first of all, the I think everyone's introduction to him was that first Leonard Garcia fight yep. in the WEC, which yep. was an all-time fight. The fact that he lost it is still wild, uh, but that's one of those fights where if you have a buddy who's never watched MMA, like, oh, go watch Leonard Garcia, Korean Zombie 1, because that is an absolute awesome fight. His first UFC fight, he freaking gets the twister. The man fought Poirier, Jose Aldo. The elbow lost to Yair Rodriguez was an absolute career-changing moment, yep. unfortunately, for him. Uh, you know, I think people also forget he lost two years in his prime, in his prime, uh, and ended up, it actually ended up being about three and a half years, but because of recovery from injury, and then he had to do two years service in the Korean military. Yep. So he lost coming off of the title loss to Aldo where he had tore his shoulder rehabs gets ready to fight again and then gets called into military service. And so just, uh, it, he has a career of so many, like what could have been, yep. you know, uh, but still to be so beloved by people to have given fans so many great memories too. And, you know, I tweeted about it during the fights. I always forget that he comes out to zombie and every time it's like a smile, you know, just makes me happy to hear it. It is the perfect song. Like music is impactful. It's the perfect song. I really think that this crowd was like the perfect one to have this situation happen. But I think in an American crowd, it would have been the same thing. That song is so like everybody, maybe not everybody knows it, but in a crowd full of fans. Um, yeah. And 
yeah, that that moment where he walks out the cage and he goes from like kind of like crying like that, hug, embracing his team to just like hearing the fans. It's like that's fun. That's a fun thing yeah. to do. So yeah, props to the person that was like, oh, let's play the song one more fucking time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then now, it's like we don't get to hear it no more. You know, it, it's the perfect yep. song for like the perfect guy. I mean, I think yeah. uh, Colby Covington played up the uh, Kurt Angle song, which is funny, right? Mm-hmm. So like, there's some yeah. things that are still good, but this was. Perfect time and and for Max to just leave, let him retire, and then not like steal his moment. That's that's a Max thing, first of all. That he's mm-hmm. he's so like Max is just a fucking he's the people's champ for sure, always, right? Yeah. So Gaddis man on the planet. Yeah, for sure. And um and, and even to see the excitement, I mean, it's someone that Max has always had in the on his radar to see him get that finish and like the joy that he had, especially with all the emotions that he's going through, how that he feels, yeah. uh the UFC supporting uh, Hawaii, like letting them come out with the shirts and shit. It was just an all-around good feeling for like a really good card. You know, like yeah. it, the card wrapped up in a great way. Um, and this is one of these things. It's like you can't. There's no. There's no like. Oh, the UFC could have done this better. It just felt good. It just all around yeah. felt good. Yeah, came came off really really good. And then uh, since we already started talking about Giga, we can hop right into that. Uh, looked rusty. Yeah, off the bat, I thought. You know, he was throwing kind of singles, didn't look didn't look like he was finding his rhythm. You know, so I think judges gave him round one. I didn't personally see that. I thought Bruce Leroy was doing a little more. I know Giga was more accurate, but they landed about the same. I yeah. felt like uh, Caceres was, was in control of that first round. But it was fun to see, like, you could literally watch the rust coming off mm-hmm. of <laughs> Chikate, right? Like, you saw him start to find his flow. Uh, that was... And by the end of it, it was like, oh, that's right. This is the guy that that we love to see. He's so fucking powerful. That's the. I think that was the thing is like, I think the optics were like, it looked like when uh, Giga would kick uh, Bruce Leroy, it seemed, oh, he must have hurt him just because it like, it like almost like jumped him up in the air. Um, I agree with you. I think Bruce Leroy, I'm, I think Bruce Leroy lost two and three. So ultimately mm-hmm. it doesn't, they got the, they got the result right. But I agree. Yeah. I, when I left that round and I was like, okay, yeah. Uh, Bruce Lee is up one, but um, yeah, you saw the ring rest come off. The mm-hmm. I don't know if you listened to the commentary for that. They were really like, they were really thinking he was frustrated by Bruce Lee Roy's smiling, which maybe that's his personality. Maybe they know something we don't. I didn't feel that way, but like I kind of yeah. got in my head. I'm like, is he frustrated? Um, it just seemed like he just is a guy that hasn't fought since what was it, January 2022, and it, that makes a difference. You know, like just the timing yeah. and the speed. I I can't imagine training with my training partners and feeling good and then having the speed of someone that's actually trying to like stop you. So yeah, good, good and for it's him. Not like, yeah. And it's not like Bruce Leroy is an easy one to come back. He's no. got a funky style. Yep. Right. So like that makes it even more difficult because you're, you're not simulating that in, in the gym. I mean, it's not like as crazy as uh, like Tim Elliott or, you know, some of these really wild styles, but still like a very weird style to, to have to come back to. Uh, the post fight was a little strange at first. I was like, oh, okay, he's getting emotional about, you know, not having, not making a paycheck basically for the past almost two years. Yeah. Uh, he talked about that. And then the faked retirement was kind of strange. Uh, but then he started screaming. I was like, I have no idea what he's saying. All I heard was uh, 296, I think the pay per view in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even pick up that he called out Yair. Uh, I don't, don't think he deserves that fight yet. Uh, I, fun fight. All, eventually you know if that fight happens will be a really fun fight but i just i don't think that's 
that's where he's at right now, right? He'd been off for a really long time, had gotten beat up decently by Calvin Cater before being off for that long, and then beats number 15. Yeah. You don't get a hop up and get Yair, uh, especially. I mean, I get Yair is coming off a, a title loss, but a title a loss title is very loss. different. <laughs> yeah, very different than like a uh, contender loss, right? Like uh, Arnold Allen uh, coming off of losing to Max, different than fighting Yair coming off a loss to Volk or Brian Ortega, who's been out for a while, was injured. Uh, that's a potential one. But I think the the one in the fight was actually scheduled before. If Sadiq can get through. Uh, Edson Barbosa, I think Giga versus Sadiq Youssef would be a a very good one. Now, who knows if that fight can happen with, uh, uh, and I get Giga was very active beforehand, but hasn't been lately, and Sadiq's kind of injury prone too. Uh, But I think as far as, like, let's figure out what we have in these two guys and and which one we can kind of start to push. Yeah, and I mean, for Giga, it is another fighting down type of scenario. So we'll see what what he wants for that, but... And it's not a bad fight. If I'm Giga, maybe if I'm trying to get a Yair, I'm not going to then fight someone that's below me again, especially 9-15. to 15. Don't get me wrong. Bruce Lee Rose yeah. is a perfect matchup for him. Let's get you back in the cage. You're fighting a ranked opponent, not just some somebody that's outside the top 15. Um, I don't know if he'll take it, but, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's got to be active because – people haven't seen him for a long time and, and he's he, older but he didn't look yeah but he didn't look like a championship fighter yesterday he didn't look like someone that i'm like oh he's gonna have the belt soon which isn't Correct. to say that he can't but like when you have to poirier and, and the in the background it's like okay who would you rather see for the title to poirier or giga you're gonna go for to poirier. so he's just gotta have a <laughs> another i mean even shit call out yeah you call out ortega call out Al, i mean just call out everybody Everybody yeah. above you get the opportunity. Yeah. Yep. It'll be, uh, and then, you know, we'll see rankings wise because obviously Zombie will get removed from the rankings yep. uh, with, with retirement. And then that's the other thing is, you know, Edson Barbosa's 14, uh, Sadiq's 12. You know, does that get, does Sadiq beating Barbosa, if that happens, get him kind of right there with Giga? And then we'll see, you know, then it's maybe not fighting down. Yeah. We'll see. That's why we get to watch the fights. Yes, sir. And then questionable scorecard there to a uh, question, some questionable scorecards, at least in my eyes, I have to go back and rewatch it. But Anthony Smith, Ryan Spann. Yeah. So first of all, great fight. I mean, it's just sometimes fun to watch like the heavier guys fight. It's just fun. Um, I mean, his eye was fucked. Um, yeah. Just fucked. good job by the cut, man. Because I thought, I thought, uh, if it if round two ended, they weren't going to be able to get the swelling down because that thing was like top eyebrow touching cheek swollen, <laughs> you know, just like entirely. But it, shut. but it really wasn't even when the round ended. I mean, they made a point, they were like, oh, okay, it's not that bad. And, uh, and like, like you okay. could see his eyeball, which is okay. good. But yeah, I mean, from the it, when I was watching, I was like, oh, that's it, clear, horrible. it clearly affected him. Um, I would like to ask what your disagreement with the scorecards is. I thought round three, I thought Span won. And and oh, I don't know you? if that's just the optic of Smith's eye being that jacked up. Uh, but I felt like I felt like Span was fighting a good fight. I felt like his strikes were really impactful. Okay. Um yeah, so I, I thought round three should have gone Span. And and I haven't looked at the numbers, so I have no idea what the, you know, strikes were. Uh, but I thought 
I thought the I thought Smith rebounded very well from getting severely damaged yeah. in in round two, and I don't know if that played into the optics for the judges of like oh look you know look at him coming back almost like when somebody performs better than you expect even if they are losing sometimes they get the round mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we I think we've seen that before, um, but I'd I'd have to rewatch it it just at the end of the fight when they announced it it felt wrong. Um, so I had, I had a different experience. I did feel like Anthony Smith in the last round and then looking at the strikes, I mean, he 45 of 69 for Smith, 27 of 86 for Ryan Spoon. Okay. Um, but that, that doesn't matter, right? Because if that same scorecard happens in the second, that damage matters more. That, that, that was the most significant thing that happened. Um, it just felt like, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to watch it again. I felt Anthony Smith had it. Um, but Going into the decision, I was like, I mean, I think Smith, but if Span wins, whatever. Um, yeah. This one's a, this one's a tough one too because, like, where where do you, what do you do with Smith from here, man? I don't know. The he's fought most people. Yeah, right. He's definitely not going to contend for a title. And here's a guy who has over fifty <laughs> professional fights. Insane, right? Is is still relatively young, like in life, not in fighting. I think he's like mid thirties by now. Yeah. Uh, but in in life, right? Like that's that's young. Uh, he has pretty good things going on outside of the cage with the you know announcing on or uh, being an analyst on ESPN plus co-hosting, and he mentioned it talking to Bisbing. They're the podcast that they have together, um, and. You know, you. I almost thought he was going to retire. Uh, hearing him talk in the cage afterwards, just talking about you know, I got a wife and two kids, and you know, all I want to do is drink a beer and go record the podcast. Yeah, you know, so like, which I, I feel you, Anthony. I know, right? Um, but the, I don't know. You know, maybe like a Nikita Krylov, maybe. Um, but that's like if you think Smith can make another run, the where I think he's at is maybe being a gatekeeper for some of these other guys trying to make a run like a Khalil Roundtree. Mm-hmm. That's a fight that hasn't happened Ooh. yet that I think would be very good. And one of the things, Anthony Smith being a, just a martial artist, right? Like he's a guy that you can tell is always trying to improve his craft. We saw it in this fight where he comes out with the Muay Thai stance, mm-hmm. and you know, real light on the front leg, which he had problems with calf kicks. Uh, the last time we saw him against Johnny Walker, his leg got brutalized. Mm-hmm. And so for him to make that adjustment, even knowing like Ryan Spann does not throw leg kicks ever, ever. And so for him to make that adjustment, that tells you that one, either he thought, hey, he saw me, he saw my legs get beat the fuck up. So he's probably going to do that True. to me. Or, hey, this is just a hole in my game and it needs to be addressed regardless of who's standing across from me. It's probably a little bit uh, of both, so, right? Yeah. yeah. And Roundtree's going to attack the calf, right? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, he's he is a Muay Thai fighter at heart at this point in his career. And so I, that could be a fun fight. And then if you're round tree, you have that scalp. If you can beat an Anthony Smith, uh, it'd be fun violence for the fight. And then if Anthony Smith wins, it lets you know that round tree's not it. He's not going to be able to make that run. Yeah. And it's, it's in a world where, uh, Poetan would have lost. It would have been fun to see like a Smith versus Poetan. Yes. Right? Like, I don't think you can make that fight now. But especially with Smith coming out, I think it was during some of the press conferences, and he's just like, listen, we're not scared. Like, I think Poetan has that moment of realization that, like, he's he's with the big boys now. So if you're going to have that statement and you're going to feel like 
this guy's in different. It would be great to see their matchup, but he just yeah. You you can't have poets on fight Smith now because that's title implication type shit, you know. Um, yep. Yeah, I'm with you, and I I feel for Span too because one he didn't take a ton of damage, and two he removed some of the chaos from his game, which had cost him cost him fights mm-hmm. previously, right? Cost him the the Nikita Krylov fight, and so it, you almost feel for somebody like that. And, and Anthony Smith been in the same scenario on the you know in in Span's position yep. where you know, makes some changes and it still just doesn't work out for him. I don't know what's going to happen with Span now. You know, he's a guy that has openly talked about having not, he he was like four fights into his UFC career and was talking about he didn't train regularly. Mm. So, you know, now I wonder what his mental is of, okay, I made the changes. I'm training hard, yada, yada. Oh, and it's still not working out. Who knows? Uh, but at the end of the day, I also think it speaks to some of the weakness at light heavyweight, uh, or I shouldn't say weakness, bad words, lack of depth There you go. at light heavyweight because these are two top 10 guys, right? Number eight just beat number 10. The way the UFC has been going, they're not dropping people for losing to higher ranked opponents. So they're still both top 10, maybe span drops one or two spots. But yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I think both guys are never going to win a title. I, I, I 100% agree. I, I think the only way these guys even get in a title shot is, hey, you're this person can't fight and we just need somebody like, like they're not, they're not going to earn it in terms of like, okay, you're on a run. So, I mean, you know, we've talked about this light heavyweight division. It's, yeah, it's a little rough. It gets a little rough. You're talking about the only way they get a title shot. Well, the only way that you're going to be notified of the F update dropping is if you go uh, over while you're listening to this podcast right now, while you're listening to our soothing voices, go hit that follow button, that like, subscribe, whatever it may be. Uh, so that way you are notified when the F updates come out. Also notified when the episodes drop Monday morning. So you have it for your morning drive. I uh, also go over to at number one BS pod on uh, X still twitter.com, not X.com. I don't know where that would take you. Doesn't it's sound X, like X.com would... takes you to twitter.com. Oh, does it? If now? You put okay. X.com, was... Yeah. <laughs> oh, somebody <laughs> butchered that. I know. I that. know. Dude. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So the uh, uh, go over to at number one BS pod, give it a follow. So that way you can uh, see all of the amazing live tweets, which started promptly at about 5 a.m. 510, I think, is when the first fight started. Uh, I was up with some coffee and combat there. Getting, nice. getting things going. Yeah. All right. Now we go from people that we don't think are going to have a title shot in the future, short of it being short notice, to uh, a potential the next challenger for the the women's flyweight uh, i see you kind of shaking your head a little bit tell me your thoughts on that um the fight oh first of all santos looked great i mean honestly mm-hmm. i think santos's stand-up was so much more crisp she just looked stronger uh blanchfield did what she had to do unfortunately you're putting yourself with this performance all it takes is for rose or Manon. i don't know how to say her last name um Firo, to yeah. just have a good performance uh, a because it's recency bias. It's a better if you have a better performance than Blanchfield. The what is it next week, right? The week mm-hmm. after you just lost your title shot because you just didn't look like this wasn't the performance to get you a title shot. Other than the fact that you've earned one, right? And then now Correct. how we were talking about Smith and them, she's earned it. It's just Santos, man. Santos made her stand up look average. Um, yes. Blanchfield's a motherfucker though. I mean, she's so gritty. So you, I, I don't blame her, right? You're fighting, you're fighting Santos, who has fought these killers. Um, but you just, you didn't do the. I was really looking for uh, Blanchfield. I, 
I made the assumption Blanchfield was going to win, so that I guess I already had a bias. But I was really looking forward to her showing something special to be like, I'm the next for title shot. If she gets it, I'm not upset. But Rose has got a name. Imagine Rose goes and beats Thoreau. It's a tough one because great, great, great win. But you you really can't be upset if she doesn't get it if Rose has a better performance. Yeah, and I I think there's there's two things that make this less satisfying if you're a Blanchfield fan than you could than it was before. Uh and the first of which is it has nothing to do with her, Shevchenko losing the title. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if this was coming off of Santos giving Shevchenko a run for her money, making her look mortal, and then Blanchfield comes out and beats her. It's like, okay, we got something. Agreed. Here. And then the other thing is the matchup coming up next week. Because if you don't have uh, Manon Fior, apparently the the O and the T at the end of it don't mean anything. I don't know. I don't speak French. <laughs> uh, but if you don't have her fighting, and she's already very highly ranked, but her fighting an unranked opponent who is number two, one weight class down, who's a former champion, then if that fight's not happening next week, then it's like, yeah, Blanchfield is very clearly the next title contender. But now you're almost in a situation where if there's nothing overly exciting next week and Shevchenko beats Grasso, that you run that back for a a rubber match, you know? And I think that this was a... It's unfortunate for Blanchfield because she was outclassed on the feet. She realized it made the adjustment and and did everything you should do when you're in the cage. And it's like, oh shit, this is not my path to victory. Yep. She made it dirty. Um, she realized that she couldn't just shoot for takedowns, which she was trying early and had that realization like, all right, this is going to be a clinch fight. And I'm going to get that from trips off the cage uh, that she did everything that you would want a prospect to do. But there's all kind of all these other outside factors. And also, Tyler Santos came came in there with after you know a year and a half of not fighting. Like y'all must have forgot. Yep. Like I, you know, this and I think people were sleeping on her striking a little bit because her fight against Shevchenko wasn't a great striking match for her, but that's because Shevchenko is a world champion Muay Thai fighter. And so that speaks volumes to me about Santos of like, okay, that's not my path to victory there. I'm gonna do what I think I need to. And here I know I can win on the feet. So that's going to be my path to victory Uh, in a game of inches. If she doesn't try to get the takedown in round two, Mm -hmm. where then Blanchfield ends up on top and wins the rest of the round and ultimately wins the round, which you could still argue that because I don't know how much damage was done. There was a lot of control, not much damage, and Santos was hurting her on the feet. But if Santos doesn't go for that takedown, argue... We don't know what would have happened, but she could have won round two, and that would have been the fight. I 100% agree. And this Blanchfield's performance almost felt like Sandhagen's last performance, where it's like, yeah, you won. You did what you had to do. But the UFC, sometimes the UFC, it says, we want you to be exciting. But Blanchfield's on such a good run. It's like it's hard to deny that she's the next in line. I mean, it really is hard to deny. Like you're, like you're kind of saying, the Rose fight doesn't happen or it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not even having this kind It's like, okay, she's earned it. There's... No, but I didn't even think about if Shevchenko wins them just being like, fuck it, let's do a rubber match because what, I mean, if the Rose fight ends up being yeah, like not, not as exciting, that's, that's a great point too. So Blanchfield put herself in a position to arguably have to fight against Rose's performance or, you know, Firo, how do you say her name? 
Fior. Fior. Uh, Rose versus Fior and Shevchenko's rematch. It's like you just, if she goes in there, she just even dominates a little bit more. But to your point, I mean, there's a there's a world where you're so close to losing even round two. Um, but mm-hmm. it, we can't take away her past performances and, and her run that she's on. So her getting a title shot feels deserved. I mean, it all, it, it feels deserved more. If Rose wins, it feels deserved more than Rose. It just Rose has the name. Rose has the fans behind her. She just has she has yeah. too much going for her to to not get it. Rose gets the next title shot if she shows up. Yeah, and uh, or if Fior puts Rose away, Oof. you know, if she gets a stoppage on Rose, I think she could leapfrog Blanchfield, which sure. I don't think is a bad thing for Blanchfield. She's what still 24, 25. Yep. she's really young. Fior's in her mid thirties. I think that. Ultimately, it could be better for Blanchfield long term for her career if Fiora has a great performance, she gets the next shot, and then you have Blanchfield fight maybe a Macy Barber, you know, maybe like one of these other people. Because ultimately, and I I hate to downplay a win against Andrade, but like, what is a win against Andrade at this point? Know. You know, and so Blanchfield has this great win against Santos, but it's a Santos coming off of a you know, year and a half off. And ultimately it was a Santos mistake that opened the doors for this victory. And that's not to take anything away from Blanchfield. She's a hell of a fighter, but I think long-term for her, maybe getting in one more top 10 opponent before like, Hey, from that point on, it's top three opponents. I'm not, I'm not mad at that at all. Um, Her versus Macy Barber would be fun. Um, Especially just because it's part of her career. It doesn't seem like Blanchfield's gonna lose, right? Like she's just she's proving that she's gonna win. So it's it's not a dangerous fight in terms of like, yeah, you should win. But any fight that's not a title fight is a fight that you lose your title shot potentially. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like she's on that cusp of like, I don't want to take another fight and not have a title because anything can happen. So um, and it almost happened yesterday. So but great yeah. great win. Um, I think I think Blanchfield, if if someone stops her takedowns, I think she's gonna be in trouble against. You know uh, the champion yeah. right now, uh, and even Shevchenko. So you know, yeah, yeah. we'll see. Uh, now a absolute the there was a few fights that really kind of got the juices flowing oh, yes. a little bit, oh, yes. and that Chidi Njikawani, uh Michael Olian Jacek fight was Tight. just it, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was it like two, three minutes, whatever oh, it was God. of just fury and violence uh just back and forth both guys were hurt it looked like Olean Jacek was was done right I mean he was badly badly hurt and then he comes back stings cheaty it was awesome like those once again another fight where if you have friends that don't watch MMA be like hey just go check that out like this is what can happen especially because I thought Njikwani I was like oh well he like in my mind during that round I was like oh he's about to win and then you're like how the fuck does Oli and Jacek come back? And I mean, it was. Ooh, yeah. you've been practicing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. nailed both I, of them. I, I had to practice Oli and Jacek, but um, <laughs> the phonetic that you put out is very, very helpful. But it's just like You're welcome. You just yeah, thank you. Um, you just see these two guys just going at it, and sometimes that's fun. I love seeing the different types. I love seeing the wrestling. I love, but sometimes you just see two guys hurting each other. But in my mind, I was like, okay, Injikwani got this, and and then for him to be on the ground not defending himself and you're like how did like what in the world is going on that was you said juice is flowing that was like ooh buddy ooh buddy yeah. it was a great fight man yeah the 
I mean, a definition of fight changing power, right? Because oh, yes. in Olean Jacek doesn't look like the kind of guy that would have that. You know, he's, he's just nothing against him. He just doesn't have that look, right? But that's also why you don't fuck around with people based on their <laughs> looks, because you know you might be talking trash to this guy at the bar, and all of a sudden he's changing your life. Yeah. Uh, but he's a guy that when you look at him at middleweight, he's got one loss and it's to Kyle Bahalo. Right. And most people at middleweight are going to get out grappled by Kyle Bahala. Sure. So I think I think his he's kind of a, a bit of a dark horse, bit of a sleeper, I think, for a, a top fifteen type middleweight fighter, because ultimately to get to the top level, you're gonna have to get past people that can touch you and the rest of your night is different. Yep. And and he has that. So you're gonna have to learn that skill that an Izzy against Yoel showed, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, no, we're not playing that game. Mm-hmm. And and so he's he's one. I I almost highlighted this one last week as something to look out for. And I was like, no, nah, there's a ton of other stuff that you know we can talk about. Uh, but yeah, sure enough, it, it lived up to go with your gut, of, man. It, go with your gut. Yeah, exactly. This one was this one was fun. This one was fun. The the it was not fun. You know, when they're walking out, I'm like, I don't know how to say these names. But outside of that, it was like, this was, <laughs> yeah. this was fun. They both they yeah. both just look like, hey, we're going to go for this. I mean, we talk about zombie mode, right? They both just went in for, yeah. for like, who's going to hurt the other person first. Both got hurt. I can't wait to see Ole and Jason. I can't wait to see Njokwani fight again. It was just fun. Yeah. It was just fun. Yep. And hurt. That takes us to our burr, 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 burr. featured prelim. Lucas Bresky, Waldo, Salasamen, Cortez Acosta. <laughs> that is one of the nastiest stanky legs I think I've ever seen in my life. It turned him around. It was like he was trying to run away and couldn't. And, and he's so kind of looking just back like, like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's almost like it made me think of Ace Ventura when nature calls, when he gets shot with the dart and he's just kind of like, <laughs> yes, know, like awkwardly trying to get away. One of my favorite movies yeah. of all time. <laughs> yeah. Um, which by the way, my son got a slinky and we've been playing with it on the stairs, reminding me from the scene in that movie. But have you been awesome. singing the song or slinky? Yeah. Slinky. That song. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, of course. Just wanted to make sure. Of course. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, the, the way that that finished and then, I know you're not allowed to punch to the back of the head, but he hit him so square in the back of the head as he was trying to run away. Really, um, you don't think that he, was? You don't think he was like on the ear? <laughs> and especially yeah, like, yeah. like how how hard he hits. I mean, first of all, his leg kicks were killing him, right? Killing him. Mm-hmm. But it's like it powered him up. <laughs> you know, it was like, okay, you're gonna do this one more time. But but you're right. Well, let let me ask you this: What was he doing after it was like? What was he trying to do? And the referee kept pushing him. What was like his goal after the fight was done? Uh, he, Kept trying to stay I think over. it was one of those like trying to go up to him and like make sure he's okay because yeah. he didn't look like angry or anything. It didn't look like it was ill intention. Yeah, because it's like he like called someone over and and then the referee could, and I was like, what is it? Is he trying to like stand over him? Is he trying to keep fighting? It was really weird. But then he didn't look like aggressive. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope it's just a matter of him just being like, let me. And, and I, the referee shouldn't don't don't let people. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You actually, I I heard someone talk about it and they were like. I don't want anybody coming over to me after I get knocked out. Like, let me just be not. It's not yeah. fun. It's fun for you. So, but yeah. man, he hits like a fucking truck. Well, and the crazy part is this is the first time in the UFC where he's shown that kind of power. Jeez. He's been in like, all his other fights in the UFC had gone to a decision. Um, he needs to shore up the leg kick issue yes. because uh, 
Rogerio de Lima, famously who got flying kneed by Derek Lewis. Uh, <laughs> he brutalized uh, Salsa Man's legs as well with the calf kick. So it's something he needs to address. Uh, but yeah, that is an all-time highlight, you know, almost like the uh, Johnny Walker getting knocked out uh, by, was it Jamal Hill that mm. did that one? Uh, same thing as the Shane Burgos knockout where he got hit and then just kind of like it took a second for it to register almost reminded me of Mark Munoz taking you back a little bit when he got stanky legged. Like that's, that's an all time, like scary kind of like, Oh, that's not good for your brain. Right. Like that's happening. And the way he fell, I mean, he fell with the crown of his head and he's like, Oh God, like I'm so glad I watch fights and I don't do them because (laughs) I don't want to do that. I hope, I hope there's no like neck damage or spine damage from that because that that was a bad one, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, top of his head hitting like that could have been worse, you know, yeah, an inch or two kind of different could have, and I'm not a doctor, but could have been severe spinal damage there. Uh, and then the other heavyweight, which questionable UFC, uh, very questionable book booking back to back heavyweight flights. Yeah. Uh, that is <laughs> you're, you're rolling the dice there because sometimes <laughs> those can just be like sloppy affairs uh, played out and to their benefit here with two first round knockouts. But once again, you talk about kind of a game of inches and this one more involves the refs and giving warnings instead of stopping action and taking points. Yep. Justin Toffa, or Junior Toffa, sorry, Junior Toffa was fucking up Parker Porter. Let's not get it twisted. Had him badly hurt. But Porter did what he needed to when he was hurt, got in tight, got the clinch, and had him off the ground for the takedown, and Toffa grabs the fence. And he he grabbed totally him pulled. He grabbed the- and pulled. Like, yeah, he grabbed yeah, and pulled it, himself to balance. Yes, it kept him from hitting the yep. ground. And we saw in Toffa's last fight against Muhammad Usman, when he's on the ground, it's a problem for him. Yep. And so Mark Goddard, who I think is a great ref, don't grab the fence. Yeah. And so then Taffa ends up shrugging Porter off, knocks him out. And that's one of those where, yes, Porter was getting beat up. I, I thought the fight was going to end before that. But yep. then it was like, oh, shit, Porter got the clinch. And that's one of those where they, the just warning and not taking points or even there you have to take a point because you can't just hypothetically reset them on the ground, right? Yeah. So you you almost have to take a point there as if you're not just going to warn, but the warning didn't do anything. It, it didn't cost Porter the fight. It cost him a chance to be in the fight. Yeah. Especially because the warning doesn't slow down action. I mean, like he does it, he's still going for it. And Porter doesn't know. Porter doesn't know that he grabbed the fence. He just doesn't know. Right. I, I would imagine, and I have no data to, prove this but I imagine majority of the time the other fighter doesn't know that their finch is being grabbed right just yeah. because you're not in that moment and and who knows maybe Porter was so hurt that he would take him down and pop right back it doesn't matter but it seems that this is one of those ones that maybe the takedown does happen even for a second and maybe that extra second gives him another break right because he was getting I mean every strike he felt right he felt every strike and it was looking yeah. terrible for him but and he hit him this, with everything. Yeah, but this knees, is, elbows, punches, yeah. kicks. Like but this is why, this is why it's not boxing or kickboxing. This was MMA because I do have the opportunity to recover after taking you down. You stopped me from being able to take you down. I agree with you. This is, and ultimately, I don't think a point would have mattered. I think he would have got knocked out regardless. But it's the it's the principle. You know, if you set the standard, 
then those things stop happening as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, taking a point, the the other thing that that would have done is given a brief rest for Porter, yep. which ultimately he was trying to get to by by securing the takedown. Uh, that's a tough one though, because you can't just set them on the ground to restart it, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be a point, and then ultimately you're back where you know standing at range. But if the thought behind it is to try to level the playing field because somebody cheated to sway things in to their advantage like take take the point yeah and i mean at very least you could put it back on like clinching the cage right just something something to feel an advantage it'd be interesting to see like on the opposite side let's say you know i have someone against the cage and i'm pulling on the cage you just stop it and pull it back. i mean like regardless that didn't happen last night but yeah, it, it directly led to Tafa not getting taken down, shrugging him off, knocking him out. Um, yeah. Spectacular knockout. I mean, awesome. I don't know how you choose that one over Salsa Man. Um, he did get the performance over Salsa Man. I don't know how, but... Yeah, how's that not get a bonus? I, I, I think they both should get a bonus. I only imagine that since like Tafa just seemed like he just was knocking it and like hitting and hitting and hitting more while Salsa Man was getting leg kicked and it seemed like, you know, like in a different world. Didn't he get leg kicked like 12 times before he actually knocked him out or something? So it was a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> it wasn't good. So it could just be that, you know, the overall performance was good. And then the knockouts were still, and you know, he, when he knocked him out, he shut him out. So, um, but I mean, it's always fun to see a stanky leg. So give him performance. Yeah. And, and what was the, uh, what were the Holloway and zombie Tafa? And what was, what was the other and performance bonus? Oli and Jacek and in oh, okay. Jaquani. So oh, Oli and Jacek got one. Good. I was gonna say you got to give him well, one. Uh, I didn't see anything for Holloway and it's not showing. Holloway, anything. Holloway and Zombie got fight of the night. Okay. Oli cool. and Jacek and Tafa got got the performance Perfect. bonuses. Gotcha. Perfect. Yeah, and then another one, and once again, it's the guys on the undercard that that get shafted, even if it is the featured prelim. <laughs> uh, but then also. You know, people that made any name for themselves on this card, you know, Garrett Armfield, he's one that I thought could have got a performance bonus. What he did to Toshiomi, uh, Kazuma was <sighs> everything hurt him. And and that they made a point to say it looks like he's yeah, it looks like he was shaken up. It looks like um, Kazama was like I I'm I I wasn't expecting this, and <laughs> it was yeah. Armfield did the perfect game plan. He looked amazing. Yeah, and with uh, Kazuma coming out during the weigh-ins and not shaking his hand and then kind of like giving him the small headbutt, like, hey, bro, mm-hmm. be be careful. Uh, really good. To, I'm excited to see Armfield fight again. The, I mean, he marked him up. Like every, those seem like really impactful. Every single thing he did seemed like it was really hurting him. Uh, you know, Armfield's one who lost to David Onama, who's a huge featherweight uh, in his first fight, but he was fighting up at featherweight on like three days notice. Yep. Uh, so now he got a full camp and at his real weight class, which, hey, guess what weight class that is? Bantamweight. Oh, we I got we got another one. Um, yeah, so awesome. I'm excited to see Armfield fighting. He's 26 years old, right? Like, let's let's see that. And then one of the people that we actually highlighted last week, uh, Billy Goff, he wants to go by Billy Ray Goff, which I'm <laughs> I'm for. Uh, it's funny though because he's from Connecticut, but he was born in Mississippi, so yeah. I guess he's like going with the the Mississippi roots there. Hey, uh, but what he did to uh, Yasku uh, Kenoshita was 
awesome. And even though Goff got hurt, he took less damage than I've seen him take in any of his other fights. But man, it's just like you get hit so much, dude. Like, yeah. stop getting hit so much. But my lord, I mean, when he that body shot was, I mean, like. I, I had to rewind. It was like, what did I miss? Like, it just didn't seem as brutal. The second time, it seems way more brutal. The first time, yeah. like, in, in action, I was like, whatever. That body shot. And I know you're a fucking sucker for body shots, but love them. you couldn't have made a better one on that. That was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, that, yeah, that was about, like, 6.30, 7 in the morning. <laughs> I got I got to watch that. That was, what a way to start your day. Uh, and old, old Billy Ray, like, what I'll watch that guy fight again. Yep. You, you know, I mean, to have that kind of style where you know he can take punishment, which good trait to have, not one you want to show off. Sure. Uh, but to and then to have that power of like straight to the body. Boom. Uh, yeah. Sign me up for his next fight. And then taking it back to Bantamweight. But a very intriguing prospect. We talked about him last week. Uh, Rinya Nakamura. My lord. <laughs> Just dominant, right? And and there wasn't there wasn't a ton of damage that was done. Uh, but as dominant, I think, as you can be in a fight without just like brutalizing the person throughout the entire fight. The you saw him when he jumped for the arm bar at the end, it looked like he was gonna get it. There, there's obviously some little things that he needs to shore up in his submission game, like the the Von Prue. I'm gonna call it Von Prue, not Von Flu. Uh <laughs> when when that was available. He didn't go for it. So obviously there's some things within the submission game that that he needs to work on. But you talk about having a base, right? Like he, he jumped to an arm bar, landed on his back, was like, no, I don't got it. Okay, I'm going to go back to taking his back. Like what? His control uh, to have that base as you're learning. Oh, my awesome. God. And I'm going to say one thing about Garcia, and I'm probably not going to talk about him again. Game. He did not give up on himself. I love it. However, yeah. this was not the Garcia show. This was Nakamura. And what I really like to see first, just the the wrestler, like the, those elite wrestlers when they can like spin on top of people, get in the positions. You're right. He he needs to definitely. But but when you have that base, your stand up's going to get better. Your your grappling is going to get better. But what I really like to see too, it seemed like he was really in tune with his coaches, right? Like even even that elite grappling, I don't see north south happen too much. I think it happened three times or two times really. Yeah. He just has where you're like he's just stronger. It's these wrestlers that just have this top control, and it got me more excited to watch his next fight because I do feel like he's in tune with what the referees, I mean, with his coaches are saying, and that's important because they can guide you while you're not at that elite level, right? Where you're not just flowing. Mm -hmm. But his flow state on the ground is disgusting. It is gross. World champion level oh, wrestler. My God. You know, I mean, we don't we don't see that a ton in, in MMA. Like, when there's a guy who's a... I mean, we get Olympians and things like that, but, I mean, Henry Cejudo was a world champion, yep. right? Like, that, we don't see a ton of them, and, and this is... It it's special. I think they need to bring him along very slowly. You he's young. You have the weight class he's in because he's another bantamweight. Uh, yeah, you don't need to rush him along. There's going to be plenty of time. You don't need him to be a star right away. You know, as a you can put him on the cards over in Asia. You can get another you know another Japanese prospect here uh, between him and. Uh, Tatsuro Tyra. Now you have a, a couple of guys that that you can really start bringing along. Tyra, I think you can do a little quicker. You don't need to, uh, but you can do him a little quicker. Just 
the the future is very very bright and even in a performance like this where i think people expected him to just go out and get a quick finish because if you've only know him from road to the ufc and then his one fight in the ufc you would think okay first round finisher right but to show yeah gas tank for 15 minutes oh, easy didn't look tired by the end of the fight was able to dominate throughout when he wasn't able to finish on the feet like cool we're going to take this to the ground where i'm comfortable and it was just a very very impressive kind of mature performance showed us a lot about him and, yep. and that's I love seeing that and that once again the reason these fight nights are so much fun because you do get to see a lot of these prospects and we got another fight night next week uh in Paris and we're just going to go right into the fighters to watch and this is a bantamweight showcase. We have four different bantamweights, one female, three male that that we're going to talk about. Uh first one is a guy that was actually in the UFC before, Taylor uh, Lapolis, nicknamed Double Impact which if you haven't watched the movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme and I, yeah, go, go do that because <laughs> sure. yeah, JCVD. Um, but he's fighting wing Gafarov. Laplace is not the normal you know, prospect. He's 18 and three. The, the guy has a ton of fights. He was actually three and one in the UFC way back in 2015, 2016, uh, and got let go. Really not sure why that occurred. Don't know if there was stuff going on behind the scenes, uh, but generally, you don't see somebody three and one in, in the UFC get get cut. Uh, he is currently the Aries FC Bantamweight champion, which is the uh, the French promotion. But just nasty, nasty Muay Thai striker. Had a filthy liver shot in his last fight. The Aries FC fights are on Fight Pass, so you, if you have access to that, go watch it. Um, hurt the guy so bad with a liver shot that when he was then had the ground and pound on the ground the guy ends up tapping out to strikes because he's like fuck this i'm getting beat up uh so that's a that's gonna be a a good one moin gafarov is is uh from the part of the world where they like to wrestle in case you couldn't tell with the v at the end of his name there uh he's from tajikistan so just that's gonna test lapless we we should learn a little bit about him there and then uh our female bantamweight to highlight here we have nora Cornell, she's fighting uh, Jocelyn Edwards. Now, Cornell's a little older. I think she's 34, 35 in that range, but she is 6-1 and one in MMA with all six coming by way of finish, five knockouts, one submission. Good Muay Thai, you know, carries a lot of power. If you watch her fights, when when she's touching these women, they're, they are reacting in very, very big ways. Um, and her her clinch game is filthy, filthy uh, against a Bosch. She's throwing elbows in the clinch. She's throwing knees to the liver that's hurting her. I mean, everything in the clinch is is nasty. She does get hit a little bit and has shown to not have a great gas tank. She has slowed down in, in her fights for sure. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Edwards is somebody that's been around for three-round fights, so maybe she can drag her into some, some deep waters. We're going to learn a lot about Cornello because her strength of schedule is um, – pedestrian shall shall we say <laughs> you know she she hasn't fought a lot of um experienced or or very good fighters uh but she herself is fun to watch so in in your research with her how's her like her other aspects wrestling jujitsu is is that has she has that been on display at all have haven't seen a ton okay because in the bandway yeah. division you're gonna you're gonna run up against that so i just didn't know if like yeah she's got yeah yeah, ha- haven't seen a ton. Uh, the thing that that really struck me was was her Muay Thai game. Yeah. You know, real faint, heavy, uh, and then once again with 
it's just not normal to see women's fighters carry that type of power and she has that like Touch you see it, you know yeah. You used, yeah you used to see it with like amanda nunez's opponents i'm not saying it's that level but the first even if it's a jab you see the look on on the opponent's face of like mm. oh i i haven't been hit like this and, and that's kind of what you see with her that's that's the game changer though right oh yeah 100 oh, yeah. percent the equalizer mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and then uh, a pretty highly touted prospect uh another irishman uh after seeing Ian Machado Gary last week making a make a name for himself. We have Kalen Lawfren. And I don't know if it's pronounced Lawfren, Lawgren, Lawren. Even the announcers, uh, we, there was Irish announcers, British announcers, like they were all pronouncing it differently. So who knows? Uh, if John Anik is calling this one, I trust in John Anik to to get the pronunciation correct. But he's a guy, Kalen Lawfren, eight no, seven finishes, uh, five KO, TKO, two by submission. Um, or yeah. Two by submission. He's currently the uh, Cage Warriors bantamweight champion, and we know Cage Warriors uh, puts out really, really talented fighters. Right? We've seen uh, Connor come from there, Patty come from there. I mean, it is the top of the line promotion over in Britain. Uh, he has a very modern grappling game, and and by that I mean figure fouring the legs, the old uh, Dagestani leg irons, as Dan Hardy likes to call it. Okay. Uh, very back control heavy. Uh, it's just very much an MMA grappling game. And if you look at him, it's kind of funny because he kind of looks like a traditional American wrestler, almost built like Cody Stamen. Like looks like, oh, you know, a little yeah. shorter, really muscle bound, has a gigantic dome so he can probably take a shot. Um, but it's weird because he looks his movements in the stand up game look stiff, like almost like a Dan Henderson. But he's really effective. And he finds openings. He has like slick lead uppercuts, and it it's it works for him. But when you see some of his movements, it's like, oh, that doesn't look super athletic. But he has managed to make it work for him, and it's it's not just big power. I mean, he he gets he draws big movements out of people and finds the openings. He's really a an interesting fighter to watch. Yeah, that's gonna be a fun one. Then um. So you said you said he's stiff, not the powers, and was he just like super accurate? Then this is just like, yeah, and stuff comes from weird angles. Okay, um, it's and it's he's technically he's pretty sound. Like you see, yes, he is accurate, but you see him when he's actually throwing strikes, it looks fluid. Okay, it's his evasion. You know, like when he's people are throwing stuff at him and he's like leaning or trying to get his legs out of the way, it doesn't look smooth you know like some of these guys like a physique oh, right okay. when people are throwing at him it's just this really like fluid kind of movement as strikes are coming at him and it doesn't look like that with kalen but he doesn't i mean it it works for him so is it uh, we'll talk about it next week when once you kind of get the opportunity to sure. see it but it's a, it's a funky kind of style uh and then our last bantamweight that we'll talk about uh we have uh farid basharat taking on clayton uh Rodriguez. Boshrat's 10 and 0, uh, six finishes, five by knockout, one submission. He's 1 and 0 in the UFC. Uh, had an, a unanimous decision over Demond Blackshear, which now obviously has aged very well mm-hmm. with what Blackshear showed against Batista and then the Twister the week before. Boshrat's one of those new breed. Man, he is so almost like a Marcus McGee, uh, where he's so developed and so far along from a, a technical standpoint for somebody who only has 10, 10 professional fights. I mean, he is fluid. His balance is unreal. 
Blackshear, who we saw, is a very talented grappler, had his leg up in the air, and he's just old-school BJ Penn style, just hopping on the foot, like maintaining that balance. Basharat's one that, and who knows, he might go out and lose to Rodriguez, but he's one that if in three, four years he's fighting for a title, and possibly sooner than that, it'll be hard at that weight class, but if in three, four years he's fighting for a title, it's like, oh yeah, that that makes sense. I about to say, that's high praise in that division. If you're saying that you can see him fighting for a title in the bantamweight division in three, four years, that's like, that's some special shit for that division, you know? Yeah, and it, it's always hard to tell with guys that are really polished like this, and I remember back when I was teaching high school, talking to the high school wrestling coach, uh, it can be misleading sometimes when people are really polished at a young age or at a low experience level because they're taking on other low experience people. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes their skills are just so much better that it's it makes them look great. But then ultimately, once the other people catch up skill-wise, then it's about, okay, do they have the physical traits now to be able to continue along that path. Because ultimately, especially at Bantamweight, once you start to get, heck, even right outside the top 15, everyone's going to be as skilled as you are unless you are otherworldly skilled. Unless you have that Sean O'Malley. And even then, that's more about physical traits, right? I mean, he's obviously super skilled, but carries power, is super fast, you know, all of those things. So we'll see. But as of now, there's... Boshrat hasn't shown anything where you're like, eh, once he gets to this point, there's going to be a problem. Which is good because, I mean, like, okay, you're just making a great division better. Okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, okay. I don't care how stacked this division is. I don't care if, like, the top 30 are just the ultimate killers. Let's make it happen. Yeah, if there's a fight at Bantamweight, like, you know it's going to be good. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. Like, I mean, you just highlighted three people off this card that might be future, you know, top 15 thing. It's like, okay, all right, yep. keep keep bringing them. Yeah, and that's coming off of a card last week where we had a great prospect Jesus. with Renya, right? Jesus. Oh, Bantamweight. Mm. Uh, and then we'll step away from Bantamweight uh, to Benoit Saint-Denis taking on Tiago Moises. I almost highlighted this as like a fight to watch because obviously Tiago Moises is a, is a hell of a fighter, one-time top 15 lightweight. Uh, now, Saint-Denis had about as rough of a start to his UFC tenure as you could have. Uh, his fight against... Uh, Capoeira Zaleski, also known as Capoeira Dos Santos, uh, is that fight that I've referenced multiple times where it looked like he was going to die in the cage and the Russian ref was like, fuck it, let it happen. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, just got absolutely brutalized in in that fight. Yeah, it had people like angry that that the fight didn't get stopped and he ended up lasting till, till the final bell. Uh, but since then, he's had three straight finishes. Uh, his overall record, he's 11 and one. All 11 are finishes, nine by submission. Ooh. And he's 27 years old. So part of him being able to take a beating like that is being young and in shape, right? The chin's still there. Uh, but for having that many submissions, a lot of it stems from the ground and pound. Like in the Miranda fight, I mean, just filthy elbows. I mean, he's he has really, really nasty ground and pound um, coming off of a fight where he was supposed to be the showcase for Ishmael Bonfim, uh, where you know the Bonfim brothers, who we've talked about, was it was supposed to be this this big big thing, and he put Bonfim away, choked him out, right, broke him and choked him out, and so now it's like okay, we're gonna give you a step up and to take on Tiago Moises, and it it is a step up 
when you look at who Moises has been in there with in the UFC, Bobby Green, Michael Johnson, Demiris Magulov, but Neil Dariush, Islam, right? Like he has been in there with everybody. So this is going to be a big, big step up uh, for St. Denis, but in front of the hometown fans, you know, like, let's see, is is he ready? Because if he gets this win, he's going to be knocking on, on the door of the top 15. That's, that's going to be fun then. And then that'll take us to our fights to watch. Uh, first up, we got no time. No time. Volkanoj Demir. Uh, and he was supposed to be fighting Ashmat uh, Mersikhanov, who had to withdraw from the fight. And now he is taking on unranked Bogdan Gushkov, a.k.a. Uh, Russian Anthony Smith. Go look at his picture. You'll get it. Uh, but Gushkov is 14-2. and two. All 14 of his wins coming by stoppage. He's only gone the distance once. Uh, 12 knockouts. His last five fights, one of those was a loss, have all ended in the first round. My man, uh, he has no time, right? He is he is ready <laughs> to go. Um, it's real fun watching his older fights, which you can find on YouTube because uh, they're like in Russia, and some of them the cage looks like it's about five feet across. <laughs> like, hey, why don't you guys just go fight in a phone booth? Uh, but, I mean, devastating power really, really hurts people is – should be fun because both of these guys are, are going to carry, uh, you know, one punch change of the fight power. But you want to talk about a step up in competition like Ozdemir, it, and he fought for a title sooner than he should have. It had to do with lack of depth at 205. Uh, but here's a former title challenger and somebody who's been in there with the who's who of the light heavyweight division. Um, you know, now he's lost to the the who's who of the light heavyweight division, but he here's a guy who holds a win over Rackage. Uh, you know, are arguably beat um, Dominic Reyes in, in their fight. Uh, there's, we'll see if he still has it. He does only have one win since 2019. Uh, and that was against Paul Craig in that fight where Paul Craig just kept trying to pull guard, kept just trying to take it to the ground uh, and, and couldn't. So we'll see. I mean, absolute must win. Yeah. I mean, cause he's three and six in his last nine and that's just not, that's not going to keep you around. Um, no. And then especially with a guy that's coming in from, these other promote like you have to win this one right ozamir is in a point where he has no time to lose this one it's it's, it's it, he yeah. has to prove something he's got to he's got to be like welcome to the big leagues and, and beat this guy yeah yeah time, he does have no time because time is running out on yeah. on his career he's he's got got to get the win here um and then our co-main and main Two very, very big fights of consequence, right? Plus great highlights for for arguably the two biggest French stars in in the UFC. Uh Manon Fior, you know, number two ranked flyweight taking on Rose, number two ranked strawweight fighting up her flyweight debut. Mm-hmm. Should be uh should be fun. The stakes don't get higher. It's gonna be an interesting matchup, and ultimately the story is just gonna be does Rose show up? Well, let me ask you this before we ask what Rose is going to show up. Is Rose Rose just seems so small to me to be going up? Is she just not going to be towered over? Am I wrong? I don't. I don't know. I she's she's skinny. I don't know how. I don't think she's that short. Yeah, but like, right? like but she's like, just. It's like she has no thickness to her. And like, imagine her standing next to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring the ultimate one, but uh, wow, what's her name? Oh my god. I'm drawing a blank. Okay. Anybody. I mean, like, she just yeah. seems so skinny, right? She just yeah, seems skinny. she's 
Yeah, she's five five. You know, I'm interested to see if she puts the weight on properly uh, to get to to one twenty five, or yeah. if it's just not cutting weight. She will be smaller than her opponents, but she carried power at straw weight. There, so you know, it is not cutting the weight going to allow her to continue carrying on that power, or are these women just going to be bigger and can handle the power? We're going to find out. But yeah, I mean, her next day. You look at any of the like Tyler Santos, you know. I mean, Santos is is muscular. muscular even yeah, even like a Karine Silva, mm-hmm. uh, Jennifer Maya is is real stout. You know, short but stout. Uh, yeah, they, she's going to be smaller than than all basically all of her opponents. But if she can carry that power, plus I think people forget that she has a a slick grappling game. Sure, right? Like she ha- she has a flying armbar on her record. Um, I just. If game Rose shows up, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a dogfight yeah. because, you know, Manon Fior, she gets, she's highly touted for her striking. However, when you watch it, she throws a lot of the same stuff over and over again. It, it's very like fundamentally sound. There's not a ton of creativity there. Uh, I, I think back to when she, and don't get me wrong, she's really good. She beat uh, Myroa uh, Bueno Silva. Now, granted, that was Bueno Silva fighting down at 125. Uh, might not have been on the acai at that point, but <laughs> she she holds a win over you know the woman that's going to be fighting next for the bantamweight belt. Uh, but it's very vanilla kickboxing. She likes to throw the lead sidekick to keep distance since she is a southpaw. She doesn't get an opportunity to use the jab much because you know switch stances that the jab doesn't really play into it as much. But for her being Southpaw fighting Orthodox fighters a lot, she doesn't throw the liver kick much, which you would expect. It's wide open for it. For somebody that carries the kind of power she has, she's she's finished fights, straight Ken Flow. Yeah, our first couple fights in the UFC. But since then has become a bit more of like a point fighter. Um, so if she's not, you know, it, if Rose comes out aggressive, I think Rose can can put her out. Because Fior gets touched uh, and she moves forward. And, and we've seen Rose be able to counter people very, very well. But if it's the Rose that showed up in her last fight, you know, over a year ago against Carla Esparza, Fior takes the fight because she's just going to walk her down and, and outpoint her. Uh, it's, I think it is Rose's fight to lose, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, I'm, my heart's always going to be the Rose until. Until it just seemed like she's checked out. It was almost like, um, not even checked out, but like uh, Joanna George. How do you say her last name? Young Jacek. There you go. It was always like, I just want her to win. And then like when Rose kind of like took that mantle. So I'm always going to be pulling for Rose. I hope she shows up. Even even if she loses, I hope it's just like a motivated, I'm in a new division, um, got the passion back uh, because this isn't an easy fight. Dude, you're, you're, I mean, they brought you up. And they were like, here you go. You know, you're going to fight killers. So um, we talked about it earlier. This is their fight to prove that they deserve the next title shot. Um, I don't see how this doesn't have fireworks, to be honest. I just I actually wish it was five rounds just to see it. Um, Mm -hmm. But with three rounds, maybe it'll be a little bit more urgency. So I I think this is going to be this. is. I think this is going to be a banger. Yeah. And and I think that Fior won't allow it to be boring because the reason that Esparza Rose fight, which is, I mean, up there with Derek Lewis 
Francis Ngannou for the, one of the most boring fights in, in UFC history. Uh, you could probably take it back to uh, was it Arlovsky. One of the Arlovsky Sylvia fights was horrible too. Oh, was it? Um, yeah, but like on that level, was Esparza was not okay with engaging in the stand up with Rose. Yeah, right. And so there wasn't that. Fuck the fight's going to be brought to Rose. Like, Fiore does walk people down, so I think there is a very good chance of that. Good. You know that occurring. Um, we shall see the ultimate in implications. It's about the implications because, <laughs> like, yeah, you go out there, you put on a hell of a performance. You can leapfrog Blanchfield here. Yep, absolutely. Right, right away. Hey, Rose, you get the win. You're getting a title shot. Or Fior, you put her away. Yeah, you're you're next up. Especially, especially for Fior because you're in France. Right, so if she does something spectacular, the pop that the crowd's going to give her, oh, like yeah. that, that matters too, right? If if you're a UFC exec, if you're you know Hunter Campbell or Dana, if he's traveling to France, and you there's a great finish and you hear everyone erupt, that that's going to sway you on. Oh yeah, that she's going to bring fans to the fight for sure. And and Rose has the ultimate history of like she has been on the mic saying dope shit when she's won championships right so we mm-hmm. know we know that people are invested in rose's journey we know that if she gets on the mic she's just gonna say the dope shit she just has that personality so yeah i mean realistically i i hate to say it i just i don't want to be this guy because i'm not a matchmaker but i feel like this is the fight this is the number one contender fight right here this, yeah. i mean over yeah which sucks for blanchfield yeah. right yeah i i almost thought they were gonna do prior to them announcing rose coming up i thought once Grasso won and it was like, okay, Shevchenko's getting her her rematch. I thought they were gonna do Fior Blanchfield. Yeah, I think I remember for, you mentioning that. And contender. it wouldn't have been a bad fight, but I like the way the UFC did this. I do because Blanchfield had an opportunity. Oh, it's like a, you you didn't capitalize on it other than the win. You you got the win mm-hmm. W, that's what matters. Now let's give these other two girls a chance, women. And I, I really think that Sparks fly and one of these two women are fighting for them, unless they want to do rubber match because Shevchenko can win that belt back. There's no, it's not a world where she's not going to have a chance to win the belt back. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. This is going to be fireworks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and we're going to find out about Rose at, at flyweight. And then we're going to find out if Cyril gone has been working on his very public kryptonite of grappling. Oh my God. Right. Because he's taken on Sergey Spivak, who's from Moldova, uh, from a part of the world where they like to grapple with yeah. people. Yeah. And this is kind of your quintessential striker versus grappler. Not that either guy can't do both, but Spivak has six takedowns in each of his last two fights. And one of those ended in the first round. The other ended in the second round. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the guy averages five takedowns per, per 15 minutes. And, and so it's almost Khabib esque, not in the control, but of that, I don't care if you get back up because I am going to wear you out by just dragging you right back down to the ground again. And you see him wear people out by the end of the Derek Lewis fight. This is a one round fight. Derek Lewis basically just like turned into the arm triangle and then tapped almost immediately of just like, fuck this. I'm exhausted. I don't want any part of this. And that was like three minutes into the fight. Mm -hmm. And so now gone has a gas tank. I don't think we've seen him gas out. It's been more about technique issues for him but it's scheduled for five rounds and so if Spivak can continuously do that 
you know, what what is that going to do to Gon's ability, even if he can get back up to have the power to put him away? Gon hasn't been necessarily like a one-punch type heavyweight. He's more of a volume type guy, and he gets the TKOs, but that's it. They're TKOs. They're not like walk-off, unconscious type knockouts of people. So Gon better put in the work. Yeah, because when you're when you're losing to John Jones, you don't no one really shits on you too much for that. But when you're getting scooped by Francis and Ganu, that's different, right? And and rewatching that fight, the Francis and Ganu fight, you're right. It didn't seem like Cyril Gan got tired, but he did, you know, slow down a little bit. But he he also let Francis and Ganu like just wrestle him, and and no one expect, especially Francis having a you know he was what was it torn ACL or something. Um, if I'm his camp, that's what we're working on. It doesn't even matter if I'm going up against a striker next. We're working on this because as a fighter, if I get hurt, I'm going to just try to take you down. I think this is a big moment for Cyril gone because he has the name. People people want to see him fight, but you are as, as in a world where John Jones doesn't retire, this is it for you. You're never fighting for a title again as long as he has that belt. So you got to show something new. And if he comes out and shows something new, It'll be it'll be exciting. I mean, the heavyweights uh, on a France card, kind of main eventing five rounds is always a little sketch. <laughs> you know, it's always yep. a little. But Sergey, he's he's no slouch either. This is a very yes. this is a very interesting heavyweight matchup, especially because if Sergey wins, I mean, you know, maybe maybe he tries to get his fight back with Aspinall. Maybe he tries to get that win back. You know, who knows? Who knows what happens? Yeah, and. If if Sergey wins and you have Jailton Almeida win in November, Ooh. now you're talking about an, an awesome, you know, heavyweight grappling match to see who who the next contender would then be after Aspinall, right? Like there's and that's part of the issue now at heavyweight. For a while, there was no grapplers at heavyweight, and now all of a sudden we have some grapplers, and it's not like Aspinall some world beating grappler. He grapples well enough for mixed martial arts Mm -hmm. right so if you're gone and you can't beat spivak yeah it sucks you were a bit of a flash in the pan then at that point right because you're not you're not going to get past aspinall unless aspinall wants to oblige you in the stand-up you're definitely not going to get past uh jailton almeida like that's not happening (laughs) you know or or a curtis blades like that if you can't get past spivak like your time as being a top flight heavyweight in the UFC is over, mm-hmm. you know, let your contract run out and go fight Francis again for, for $2 million or whatever it is. Cause, cause I don't know what, what you then have. And if you're Spivak, you want to talk about a guy that has had, uh, you know, now the opportunity to kind of come back. He's been in the UFC for a while. I mean, he has 10 fights, but when you look at his losses, two of them came within the first round due to strikes lost mm-hmm. to Walt Harris, in his UFC debut in under a minute, uh, lost to Marcin Tybur in a, in a decision, okay, uh, and then lost to Aspinall, and where there was a filthy elbow on the break of the clinch, and and it hurt him badly, and then you know got finished up on the ground. But he also you know went over Alexia Olenek. I get it, Olenek's like eighty seven years old, but <laughs> still a a good win. Uh, choked out Ty Tuivasa. Right, beat Greg Hardy, beat Augusto Sakai, beat Derek Lewis. He's he's on a three fight finish streak, and the thing that makes him a little different than some other grapplers is he has brutal ground and pound, 
And so if he is constantly returning you to the ground where and just getting in those two, three Donkey Kong, you know, massive strikes, and then you get back up and then you get punched really hard in the face. Those things, it only takes one or two connecting clean on the ground where your head doesn't have anywhere to go. And then, oh, shit. Right. Like now the whole fight's different. Yep. I'm go- I'm going to make a prediction and I'm not going to go too deep because I don't want you taking my fight picks to try to catch up. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want that to happen. Yeah. But I feel like when when Saragon had the the ultimate um the ultimate moment uh, fight moment where it's like I fought John Jones and I think fighting John Jones you're either going to go one way or the other. You're not going to give a shit or you're going to get better because of it because you fought that elite. It's like to bring in boxing Canelo versus versus Mayweather. Mayweather schooled him and the Canelo was a completely different fighter. When you fight the elite of the elite, you get better. I feel like we're going to have a surreal gone moment where it's like I know what it feels. I mean the the look on his face after John Jones submitted him was like to me was a eye opening experience of like oh this is what this is what that feels like right like you you almost get yeah you lose to Francis but you don't you got decisions by him when John Jones came in there and it's his first fight and you're like oh this is what it feels like to fight a goat I'm just making the thing I think Cyril Gon's gonna look like a completely different fighter he still might be a little patient but I think I think his sprawling is gonna be better I think his cage work is going to be a little bit better um if not all the things that you just said are such good points it's just i, I, I what what do you do just try to fight stand up people after that it's not going to happen not for a belt so yeah. i think i think yeah. we're going to see sirogan level up for this fight i i hope so cuz that was kind of the thought after the the Nganu fight and and now grant like you said it's john jones it's, john it's jones. very different yeah. uh but to then get he did have the excuse in his back pocket, like, well, I didn't think I was going to get wrestled. And like, you knew what was going to happen, John Jones, and then to get dominated like that. Like, can you make the adjustment? We're going to find out. I hope so. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, we do have a couple fight announcements uh, this week. So UFC Noche is just cursed. Uh, so we were supposed to have that uh, Fluffy Hernandez, uh, Chris Curtis fight, uh, who... By the way, Ole and Jacek was trying to call out Chris Curtis. Called out Curtis Blades. Probably not smart for him uh, after his win uh, on Saturday. Uh, he tried, but man. now, yeah, he tried. He tried, but now Fluffy Hernandez is out. Uh, so now, what was supposed to be Chris Curtis Fluffy Hernandez is Roman Kopolov versus Josh Fremd. So that fight is now going to be uh, on the card, and that is coming up September sixteenth. Um, and then we have. Sooner than that, a uh, UFC 293, and we talked about this on the F update. That one is a couple weeks from now. Kaikar France did get a concussion. He is out. And so Manel Cop is going to stay on the card, and he is taking on a guy who was scheduled to fight on the Contender Series last week. His opponent didn't make weight, and it's like, hey, guess what? You're going to go main card against a top 10 flyweight Felipe Dos Santos uh, stepping in against Manel Cop. Really, really dangerous for Manel Cop because if you win, cool, doesn't really do much for you. And if you lose, it's a problem. Uh, so hopefully, Cop shows up, or hopefully for Dos Santos, he get you know, it makes the most of this opportunity. Yeah, but that's like the ultimate tight butthole moment for Dos Santos, right? Just to be like, Hell hey, yeah. we're gonna throw you into the wolf real quick. Is that cool? And you, you can't say no, he cannot say no. No, yeah, and like, and we saw it at that weight class with David Dvorak taking on Steve Ursig yep. last minute, 
and Ursa got the win. So yep. yeah, it's we know at those lower weight classes, especially, there's so much talent. There's such skilled guys outside of the UFC that just because this guy's making his UFC de- debut doesn't mean, you know, and no disrespect to some of the higher weight class guys, but it's not like Bo Nickel with his late replacement. Sure. Right. Like here's a guy who is very, very skilled. We shall see. Uh, and and then Michelle Pajeda, who has, you know, was 18 pounds over or whatever it was and couldn't <laughs> fight Wonder Boy. I know it's three and a half. Um, you, but you, he, you jumped it up a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's because he's gigantic. Yeah, no. uh, but now he's going up to middleweight. He's going to be making his middleweight debut on the October 14th fight night card against Mark Andre uh, Barrio Power Bar. Cool nickname. Uh, but that's the card that is headlined by Sadiq Youssef, Edson Barboza. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see Pajeda at 185. Yeah, he's a high energy guy, yeah. so not cutting weight, you know, to see what he does there. Uh, and then I shit talked it last week. My my apologies to the graphics guy uh, from from last <laughs> week. It does look like uh, Mackenzie Dern, Jessica Andrade is happening at UFC 295. I don't know about that matchmaking. I am not a big fan of it, to be completely honest. I don't know how you feel, but. I, yeah, I I'm I'm right on board with you. Like I said, it's a in a world where I, I'm losing a little bit of faith in Andrade. It's a it's a win on your record, but I don't. I think the UFC is just using Andrade just to like like as though her name right now with her record or her performances from McGinsey Dern. It's like yeah, you beat her. She's ranked higher, I guess. But I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know. Weird matchup. You you brought it up. All mm-hmm. your points are valid. Now that it's not speculation is true, it's like, huh? They usually are. <laughs> not your picks though. Um but, <laughs> oh, zing. Yeah. Uh but I don't under I don't I just don't I don't get it. But Mackenzie Dern looked so good on her last outing. I just want to see her fight somebody. Uh yeah. so if they're gonna if the UFC's gonna use this as a moment for Mackenzie Dern to jump up, cool. If not, it's like what was the point? What was the point of wasting one of her fights? I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, we will see. We'll have to wait for that one. 295 headline by John Jones and Stipe. Yes, sir. Anything else that uh, that you have? Yeah, I just want to say thank you to everybody that listens, the engagement on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. It has been such a – we're already super motivated by trying to give this content out. And it's one of these things that is really pushing us. Um, when we see people listen to the podcast, when we see people engaging – um, thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts. We we're we're gonna continue doing this anyways, but that's just one of those things that we wake up and we talk we we talk about this all the time and it's just like hell yeah, well, how can we make this better? What content? So thank you and any suggestions, like please bring them out. Any anything that extra you guys want us to talk about, we love it. Thank you so much for the engagement. Yes. Thank you all. Uh appreciate y'all. Love and respect. Later.